0: Good morning. morning. It's good to see you this morning. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from the warehouse or the chapel or off-site campus on the internet, a podcast, wherever you happen to be. Uh, We're glad that you're along too. Let me tell you about a couple of events that are kind of church-wide. So I wanted to speak to them. You may have heard an announcement uh, already on one of them. But uh, the Chosen Conference is coming up. Uh, You got on your chair as you came in. Grab the two pieces that you got on your chair. Uh, here and in the campuses. Chosen Conference, really excited about this for women. Um, That's the piece of paper that has pictures of four people, one of which does not look like the others. And uh, uh, speakers are incredible uh, at this thing. Lisa Bevere, one of the best speakers, male, female, that I've ever heard. Uh, Her and Joe Saxon speak at Catalyst and various conferences around. And uh, Helen Lee, uh, missional moms, written a great book. And Has a great following. So, just want to challenge you, uh, ladies, be a part of this if you can. um, Make it a priority. There are a couple of ways that you can sign up for it. You can go online and get tickets. Uh, In your campus, there is a chosen kiosk, probably in the foyer. If not that, then there's a welcome center that they can help you to get a ticket. Or you can fill out uh, your information on this and just drop it in the offering box and uh, they'll get you a ticket also. Second thing that you have is a little card that uh, I'm calling the generosity card. Uh, on the back of it, it has just kind of information about the campus that you're at and uh, service times. And on the front, it says uh, something extra to show you that God loves you. I just thought during January that uh, we would um, just do little things to express generosity. For instance, here's one thing. You're going through, you know, a fast food uh, uh, place, you know, for, for some health food, um, and you get to the front, you know, and, and they say, here's how much you owe. Well, they already know how much the car behind you owes. Wouldn't well, it be kind of cool to say, hey, let me pay for mine and the one behind me. And just give them one of these cards when they get up here and just tell them somebody loved them and God loves them and that kind of thing. Just, just think of ways that you can be generous with people. A little extra tip. Uh, at Seacoast, we tip. Amen. Oh, that was weak. We tip, maybe you want to go extra, and uh, whatever. Just use that in whatever way that you can uh, in order just to uh, be be generous during uh, this, this season. Now, I thought as I began today, in light of what's happening in South Carolina with the primaries and all of that, and all the political stuff over the next couple of weeks, I thought about doing something, just coming out and just making a bold political statement that would be divisive, but it would use courage and um And then I thought better of it, and so I'm not going to wear this today, but uh <laughs> I'm hearing some booze in church. I'm not sure that's good. All right, let's get serious, huh. You ever bought something? Maybe you did it over the Christmas holidays, um, and it looked good, uh, but um, honestly, it overpromised and underdelivered. anybody ever bought anything like that? You have testimony on that, yeah, uh, guys. You ever been tempted by hair restoration products? <laughs> I was watching, I was watching a commercial over over the holidays, you know, over the break and. And uh, this guy, guy had a tube of something, you know, cream or foam or something. So you just rub this on your head, you know, and and you'll have hair like me, you know. And and I thought, you know, I could rub that till the cows come home on my head. And the only thing that would be thicker is the wallets of those that produce the product. You know, it's just not gonna, it's not 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 gonna help. Besides, I said before, when God looks down on some heads, all he sees is hair. When he looks down on mine, he sees his reflection. And so. <laughs> So that's, yeah. That's about as funny as it gets today. Okay, so laugh hard on it. Overpromise, underdeliver. So let's go over to the female side. Ladies, how about beauty products? Does some of those overpromise, underdeliver. How about wrinkle removers? Okay? You just rub a little bit, you know, around your eyes and mouth. And they've got a, they've got a surgically enhanced model that comes out. It says if you use this, you will look like me. And then in the tiny, tiny print, it says results not typical. You think? Yeah. Over deliver or overpromise, promise under deliver diets. This is diet time. You know, I, I could use losing a few weight, a few pounds. Could you? Yeah. And so I'm, you know, looking around and somebody tells me about a cookie diet that every two hours you eat a couple of cookies. I said, that's it. That will do it. And so, so I'm on the way to Harris Teeter to get some, uh, some oatmeal raisin cookies, you know, to load up for that whole deal. And, Read the fine print, and you got to buy his stuff, and it's specially formulated, and all that, and it might be great, but I've, I've been so taken by the overpromise underdeliver stuff that I'm probably not gonna probably not gonna do that. You know what happens when you buy into an overpromise underdeliver product? You experience disappointment, right? That's kind of the equation: overpromise underdeliver equals. Disappointment. Now, why do I say all of that? Because we're starting a new series right now and um, we're calling it Immeasurable. And what we're doing is uh, every week at the end of our service, we give a blessing. And if you've been about around Seacoast very long or, or just a few weeks, you, you've heard it. It's Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. In fact, I, I want to read it out loud. Let's read it. Can you read it out loud together here and in the campuses? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It says at the very beginning, God is able to do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more Almost sounds like one of those too good to be true. Over-promise, under-deliver type of statements, doesn't it? I mean, you might say, you know, I, well, I, if there is a God, and I'm pretty sure there is, He would probably be able to do a lot. But does He really do immeasurably more? Does He deliver on what is promised? I and mean, here's, here's what I would say the truth is to that. Not only does God deliver, I think God under-promises and over delivers. I mean, you can see that all through the Word. There are all kinds of examples. The Old Testament, God promised a family to a man who couldn't have kids. His name was Abram. He said, I'm going I'm to give you kids. And, and you know what? It took a while. And it didn't happen according to Abram's schedule. I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I think that so Abram couldn't claim that the promise was fulfilled by himself. In fact, he tried to fulfill it himself, made a mess out of it. But ultimately, at just the right time, It happened. He had a son. Not only did he have a son, but God made him the father of many nations. Under promise, over deliver. God promises a guy named Joseph that he would become a leader. And again, he screwed it up a little bit. You know, talked to people too soon. Kind of made a big deal out of it and kind of had some problems as a result of it. It didn't happen right away. But at just the right time, it happened. And he, by no works of his own, but by the hand of God, became one of the top leaders in the land. Nobody would have ever predicted that of a slave named Joseph. God, under promise, over delivered. Uh, God promised the people of Israel a homeland. It took a while, and it didn't happen according to their schedule, but at just the right time. God gave them a homeland. In fact, it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was was more than they could have imagined. God, once again, under-promised and over-delivered. God ultimately promised a deliverer for Israel. It took a while, and it didn't happen according to anybody's schedule, but at just the right time, He sent Jesus. Not to be the Savior of just Israel, but to be the Savior of the entire world. God actually underpromised and over-delivered. I could go on and on and on. You guys have testimonies of that. But in this series, we're calling it Immeasurable, and we're going to break down the blessing. We're just going to really dig into it that we do every week. Next week, we're going to talk about God's power, which is at work within us, which is the second part of the blessing. We're going to talk about how does God's power work? How do we access God's power? The following week, we're going to talk about glorifying Jesus in the church. What does it look like? When a church really glorifies God. And then the, the last week, we're going to talk about handing it down to the next generation. It says, uh, uh, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We're going to talk about how do you hand this down to your kids? How, how do you hand it down in your company? How do you hand it down as a church to the next generation? But this week, we're going to talk about the first part of the blessing. And it says this, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. I don't believe that God has has overpromised and underdelivers. In fact, I think He under-promises and over-delivers. And so here's what I want to do. As we break that down, I know it's the beginning of the year. And a lot of you are making resolutions or goals. And I think that's good. I really do. I think it's great uh, to kind of have a, a do-over, a start-over, a mulligan at the beginning of every year. And you go, okay, 2011 was whatever it was. 2012... I'm going to do better in this area or that area. So what I want to suggest to you today is I want to suggest three resolutions that come from a study of that passage of the Scripture to put together with the things that you're saying, you know what I want to do better at this year? Or I want to see this happen. Three resolutions based on God's ability. And here they are. Because God is able, this year, resolution number one, I will dream bigger dreams. I will dream bigger dreams. Some of you know, especially here at the Long Point campus, I had a little health scare. At the end of uh, 2011, actually in November of 2011, I had what looked like symptoms of a stroke. And um, we went to the hospital and did all kinds of tests, were there for a couple of days. And it ended up being not a stroke, but something called atypical migraines. Now, I knew nothing about atypical migraines, but now I'm an expert in it. And... uh, with a few minor lifestyle changes, it's not a big deal and no lasting effects. But in the process, they did several x-rays of my brain. Uh, that's a trip. Uh, what, what they do is they put you in a long, narrow tube, you know, and, uh, and you're in there for about 20 minutes alone with your thoughts. If you have thoughts like mine, that's really scary. Really, really scary. Yeah. And, uh, but, but what's amazing is that At the end of that process, they have a really clear picture of the health of your brain. I'll never forget the doctor coming out. My whole family uh, was in the room with me. And um, the doctor explained the results of the brain scan. And and he said this, I got good news, bad news, and good news. So let's start with the good. The good news is you have a brain. and, uh, And there is no current damage to your brain. The bad news is that when you were born all the wiring didn't hook up right. And Debbie goes, I was thinking something was wrong. I don't know (laughs) know, what the deal is. But he says, and the good news is the restorative power of the brain figured out how to reroute the wiring. Everything seems to work just fine. I was amazed at how much information they could glean from just looking at a picture of my brain. You know, those that study these things... Um, uh, say that that, that brain imer- Im- uh, imaging neuroimaging has shown that that as we age, the kind of the, the cosmic or, or the cognitive gravity, the center tends to shift from the imaginative right brain to the logical left brain. Did you get that? I kind of messed it up just a little bit that 's that wiring thing, but as we age we, we, we kind of go from using this imaginative side to this more logical side. And that creates, honestly, potentially a a serious spiritual danger. Because at some point, most of us stop living out of imagination and start living out of memory. Instead of creating the future, we talk about and tend to repeat the past. Instead of living out of faith, we start living by logic. But here's, here's the truth. It doesn't have to be that way. And I'm not sure that God wants us just to settle there. There's a great uh, scripture in Acts chapter 2 that kind of illustrates how I believe that maybe it ought to be. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, the church is just starting. And uh, Peter preaches this great sermon on the day of Pentecost. And thousands of people are listening. And he quotes from an Old Testament prophet named Joel. And here's what he says. He says, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. He said, when the spirit of God works in you, you don't have to quit dreaming just because you get older. Recently, a few months ago, actually, I spoke at the Dream Center in Los Angeles. Uh, It's an incredible facility. It's kind of where we got the idea of our Dream Center where several hundred of you are gathered today in North Charleston. But as some of you know, uh, Matthew Barnett, who's been here to speak a couple of times, um, he and his father started the Dream Center. And actually the Dream Center was a vision of Tommy Barnett, Matthew's father. A decade ago, God gave him a dream of turning this this, this old hospital, 15-story um, Queen of Angels Hospital into a center of hope for people who had lost theirs. Whenever I go to speak, uh, they give me a tour through through the Dream Center. This, this, this old hospital is being restored. And, and, and I hear people, they have people tell me their testimonies. People that uh, have been addicted to drugs all their lives that are finding freedom. People who are homeless, who are finding a season where they, they can get back on their feet. They have a whole floor just for families who uh, found themselves down on their, down on their luck economic-wise. Um, they, they've got a, a, a whole section uh, that are rescuing women in, in, sex, uh, in sex slavery. And uh, they're feeding the hungry. They're educating at-risk students. It's all gospel-centered. And it's incredible. And Tommy Barnett had a vision for this, to buy this hospital. The only problem is they didn't have any money. Have you, ever had, have you ever had a dream that, where the money was kind of bigger than the dream? you ever done that? Or the dream was, I don't know what, but something, you know, something like that. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's a good place to cover right there. And, uh, but you know what? He stayed after it. And he dreamed and he dreamed and he dreamed and, and it happened. Now, when I spoke at the Dream Center a few months ago, Matthew wasn't there. Only Tommy, his father, was there. And uh, by the way, just to, just to tell you, after the service is over, Tommy told me, he said, that was the best message. They, they bring speakers in w- once a month on a Thursday night, or once a week on a Thursday night, from all over. And uh, he said, that's the best message we've ever had in the history of the Dream Center. Now, before you get too excited about that, I told some of my friends that who've been there, and they said, well, that's exactly what he said to me. <laughs> and... Uh, they're real positive people. And I said, yeah, but but he was telling the truth when he said that about me. And I was the last one there and he judged it against all the rest. So that's how it must have, must have been. But we went out to dinner afterwards. Here's this guy in his mid-70s. He had recently had heart surgery. So physically he was weakened. You would expect him to rehearse the memory of all of the things that God has done. Because God's done so much in his life. But that, that wasn't it. He was excited. He couldn't wait to tell me about dreams that he had for the future. Tommy was living out of imagination rather than out of memory. He was convinced that God was still able to do immeasurably more than all that he could ask or imagine. So he was living in the future rather than the past. At the end of the dinner, I said, Tommy, I said, when I I grow up, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you, and I really do. See, God wants us to live out of imagination. He 's able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine how, how do you keep from living in the past? I think that prayer is the key prayer is the key in fact I, I just quoted he 's able to do immeasurably more than all that you could what yes. ask what is asking askings prayer asking's just saying god here 's a conversation here 's where i'd like to go here's here 's what I need it 's asking of God it says he 's able to do immeasurably more. Then all that you ask, prayer and imagination, are linked together. The more you pray, the bigger your imagination grows. Because the Holy Spirit will take your little bitty prayer request, which we think is big, and He'll supersize it, and He'll direct it according to His will. And oftentimes, have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed and kind of kind of thought this is what you wanted and thought this was kind of where you were? And as you continue to pray, uh, wow, it, it becomes something much different and much larger in the grand scheme of things than what you thought you were capable of. In fact, a measure of spiritual maturity is, are your dreams getting bigger or are they getting smaller? Because the more you pray, the bigger your dreams will grow. So, someone said, the date of our death is not the day etched into a tombstone. The day we stop dreaming is the day we start dying. So don't lose faith in a God who is able to do immeasurably more. The best thing that you can do for your spiritual growth this year is to dream a dream that's way beyond your capacity to accomplish it. Why is that? Why will that help me grow? Because it'll keep you on your knees. Because you can't do it. And when it happens, and when God fulfills it, it'll be something you can't take credit for. Because only God could have done it. So the first resolution I want to give you, because God is able... I'm going to resolve to dream bigger dreams. Some of you have quit dreaming. And I want to challenge you today to dream dreams for your family, to dream dreams for your ministry, dream dreams for your business. God's bigger than an economy. God's bigger than wherever we happen to be. Second resolution is because God is able, this year I will pray specific and persistent prayers. Specific and persistent prayers. I read two or three books uh, over the holiday break this year. And one of them was uh, a book by my friend Mark Batterson called Circle Maker. Inspired some of the things that I'm talking about you today. And in Circle Maker, he tells the story of a first century uh, B.C. Jewish sage called Honi the Circle Drawer. Uh, Israel was uh, experiencing a drought at that particular time in its history. Because of its geography, Israel is especially dependent on, on rain. Um, I went to Israel a few months ago. In fact, we're going back. First time I ever went, we're going. I, I came back and I said, I want to take some friends with me. And so we're, we're going a um, uh, week after Easter. And just, uh, just to kind of let you know, uh, they had cut off the number of people that could go. We called them this week. We said, can we have a few more? And So they've opened up 18 more spots. So if you want to go, I, I want to go with you. And do I benefit from this personally? No, not at all. I just want want to bring you with me. I I want you to experience what I experience. And one of the things that happened was um, there was uh, one of the days we were going out to see something and there was kind of a a persistent light rain. So we're in the bus and and we get to where we're going to go. We have to walk through this field maybe a half mile to get to where we're going to go. And it's muddy and our feet are just caked with mud. And because we're Christians, we're complaining about it because we can put up with about anything so long as we can complain, right? And so we're just complaining. And it was one of those experiences when you got to the place, you felt terrible about it because it was was just such a neat deal that that we got to see. But anyway, at at that time, our Jewish guide said, you know, um, uh, Israelis, Jewish people, we don't believe that God answers the prayer of tourists." said really no because said on a day like today tourists are all praying for no rain and said we're taught as little kids that you pray every day for rain in israel because that's what sustains us and especially during the rainy season we've got to have it well during this this time uh, in first century bc this drought threatened to destroy a generation and it was the generation before jesus the last prophet had died 400 years prior Miracles were a distant memory. God was nowhere to be heard. And a, an eccentric sage decided to pray anyway, and his name was Honey. For that one day, he was the only hope that Israel had. And here's what he did. He took his walking stick, and he was up on Temple Mount in Jerusalem. He took his stick and he began to draw a circle, it went 90 degrees, 180 degrees whatever the next number is. You didn't know it either, did you? How would you like to be doing this and get a blank like that because your wiring doesn't all wire up? That's a great excuse. So you got to hear. And then, he, and then he cried out to God and he prayed a prayer that was this. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear by your great name, that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy to your children. And then he went silent and he waited. People had gathered. It was the temple mountain. There were people there anyway. And then it happened. And all of a sudden, it just began to rain, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And the people began to jump and shout for joy. And Honi raised his voice again. Then he said, Not for such a rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns and caverns and pits. He wanted a South Carolina, you know, uh, what do you call it? A tropical storm rain. That's what he wanted. And, and, and it did and it began to rain. Cats and dogs, you know, they said that some of the drops were as big as eggs. And so the, the people ran to get away from the floods and they left the Temple Mount. And Honius left up here in the rain. And he prays one more thing. He says, "...not for such a rain have I prayed," he said, "...but for a rain of Your favor and blessing and graciousness." And suddenly it just began to... Just just a gentle rain. The type of rain that would soak the ground but wouldn't ruin the ground. And so, as the rain... Uh, eventually the rain stopped. And the drought was broken... And Honi went back to his, his home. And Mark Batterson in the book concludes his chapter by saying this, the, the prayer that saved the generation was deemed one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel. The circle he drew in the sand became a sacred symbol and the legend of Honi the circle maker stands forever as a testament of the power of a single prayer to change the course of history. You know what? God is still looking for men and women who will take a stand, who will draw a circle around impossible circumstances in their lives and pray bold and persistent prayers. Might be about your family. Might be about your your job. It might be about our country. But God is looking for people who will be bold, take a stand and pray. And remember, as Paul the Apostle said, God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? God loves you. He loves keeping promises, He loves answering prayers, He loves performing miracles, He loves for fulfilling dreams, He loves over delivering on his promises and here 's what the thinking man or woman says if that 's true, why aren 't I experiencing the immeasurable? why aren 't I i don 't know, but I, I want to challenge you to do something. Take a look at the resolution that I put in there. And let's just circle the first part of it. Will you do that? It says, this year I will pray. This year I will pray. You know, James 4 and verse 2 says, the reason that you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And some of us, honestly, we're not really praying. We're not asking God. Maybe we've given up hope. And so we just don't pray about something anymore. Maybe we don't believe or... Maybe we're just too busy. I want to challenge you: pray this year. Pray. The second part of that resolution says: this year I will pray specific prayers. I will pray specifically. Jesus one day in his ministry encountered a blind beggar by the side of the road. This guy made a scene. Jesus is walking by, and Jesus' security, which is his disciples, right around him. They go over to this guy. You be quiet now. Listen, this is an important... This guy's a pretty big deal. It's an important thing. You're kind of a, a distraction. You should be quiet. This guy continued to call out to Jesus. And Jesus finally said, Why don't you bring him over to me? And so brought him over to Jesus. Now, you got to understand, it's a blind beggar. It's obvious this guy can't see. And in Mark chapter 10 and verse 51, Jesus says to him, What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Funny question, huh? God of the universe... God became man. He knows. He's omniscient. Don't have to be omniscient to see. This is a beggar who's been beside the street every day of his life. He can't see. What does he want? Why do you ask him that? Jesus asks him. He says, I want to see. Why does he ask? Because Jesus wants him to clarify. Clarify. What is it that you want? What if Jesus asked you the same question? Would you be able to spell it out? Would you, you be able to spell out the miracle or the promise or the dream that God has put in your heart? See, a lot of us don't make progress because we don't know what we need or what we want. And I want to challenge you, for the next 21 days, our church is going to fast and pray. And, uh, and I've invited you to be a, a part of that to, at the start of the year, just to set aside some time to fast and pray. We've got all kinds of things on our church website about you know how you can do that. And it's not really important as to the house. What's really important is that you just focus. And hopefully in this next twenty four one days you'll be able to clarify what you want. Where does God want to take you? What is the dream of your heart? Write it down. You know, maybe it's maybe it's a healing that you need in your family. Maybe you've got a child that's far from God and and you just need to circle salvation and say, you know what? We're going to stay in this circle until we hear from God. Maybe it's your marriage that's on the rocks. And you need to circle your marriage and go, you know what? Until there's reconciliation. We we want to hear from God on that. Maybe your vision is bigger than your income. uh, You need to pray for provision. This year I will pray specific prayers. And then go, go back to that resolution. This year I will pray specific and persistent prayers. Persistent prayers. Luke 18, great story. Jesus uh, was teaching his disciples how to pray and he wanted to teach them how to hang in there, you know, just hang in there in prayer. So he told this story. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for consistent prayer and to show them that they must never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who was a godless man with great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. We don't know what happened to her. Yeah. Maybe somebody stole something from her. Maybe it was a physical abuse of her or her kids. We don't know. We don't know. But there was an injustice somewhere. Nobody was hearing her case. And so she comes to this judge. It says the judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. I fear neither God or man, he said to himself. But this woman's driving me crazy. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And so it, this is a guy that doesn't fear God. Maybe he's an unjust judge. And of course, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time to make the whole teaching, but we know that it's a contrast to our God, our Father. Our God, our Father, is a just God. He wants to give you good things. But Jesus teaches his disciples kind of this this example of being persistent in prayer. It's not quitting until you get an answer. No matter... How long it takes. This woman is desperate. God, the the judge knows that she's not going to give up. Here's a question. Does God know that about you? How desperate are you? Are you desperate enough to turn off law and order and CSI? And God forbid the bachelor. And just go, you know what? I'm going to take the next few hours or the next few days and I'm just going to pray this thing through. I was growing up. I grew up, my grandfather was an old school pastor. I went to live with them for a little while. And boy, when there was a need, they prayed through. I mean, I can remember times we'd stop after the evening meal and we'd go into the living room and, and they'd have us all get down on our knees to pray. And, and, and I, would, I would rest my eyes before the Lord in prayer. And I would wake up and my grandfather would still be praying over a family member or a need that we had as a family. That's something that we've kind of lost these days, I think. How long and how loud are you willing to knock on the door of opportunity until you knock it down? See, if you aren't desperate, you won't take desperate measures. So I want you to resolve this year that you're going to dream big dreams. You're going to pray specific and persistent prayers. And here's one more, last one. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine. This year I'm going to learn to take risks by faith. See, in order to experience a miracle, you've got to take a risk. In fact, some of the greatest chapters in history... Almost always begin with someone taking a risk. One of the other books that I read over the holiday seasons was the, uh, the, the biography of Stephen Jobs. Anybody read that? Founder of Apple. Good book. Um, most people are at least familiar with uh, kind of the Apple story that it started with two guys, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Started a company in Jobs' parents' garage, 1976. What most people don't know is that there were actually three people there at the beginning. Kind of went like this... Uh, Jobs really needed Wozniak, and Wozniak worked for Hewlett-Packard. I worked for Hewlett-Packard at the very same time, just a different, different plant. I didn't invent anything. <laughs> um, and uh, Jobs wanted Wozniak to come to work full-time, it, this brand-new adventure. They scraped together, you know, $1,300 between the two of them. It's all they had to their name. They sold stuff to get that. But Waz didn't want to quit his job, his day job. You know what I mean? Because who knows if this Apple thing's going to work. As, uh, Steve Jobs wanted him to do it. And, and Jobs had a friend at, where he, he worked at Atari. And he had a friend that worked there. And uh, his, his name was, um, was Ron. And uh, Ron, um, uh, Ron Wayne. And uh, so he asked Ron if he'd go talk to Waz, get him to go full time. And so he did. And he convinced him to it. And Jobs was so grateful. He said, you know what, Ron, I'm going to make you a partner in Apple. You don't have to put anything into them and give you 10% of the company. Uh, you know, I'll have 45%. Wozniak will have 45%. You'll have 10%. So they drew up a contract. Now, once the company started, uh, Jobs is this dreamer and this visionary. And he, he wants to do all these, these things. He's talking about borrowing money and all that. And, and Ron Wayne got nervous about that because he'd tried to start a company before and it had failed. Didn't have much. But he knew he had more than Jobs and Wozniak who had nothing. And he thought if Apple fails, they're going to come back on me and they're going to get my stuff. And so 11 days after Apple started, he filed some papers to take him out of the partnership. They paid him $800, even though he didn't pay anything. Gave him $1,300 or $1,500 later. So a total of $2,300. He felt good. And he said this. He said, uh, I've, got a, I've got a quote from him, I think. I, he, he, he said, both of them were real whirlwinds. And, and I knew my stomach wasn't ready for the ride. He couldn't handle the risk. Well, you know the story. I mean, if he'd stayed in as a 10% partner, he'd be the 15th richest person on the planet today. What does he do now? He lives in a small home in Nevada, collects Social Security checks and spends his time playing penny stocks, or penny uh, not stocks. Slots. Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> My little mind is so pure and those wires didn't work quite right. <laughs> Couldn't handle the the risk. You know what? God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Let that challenge you to dream big dreams. Let that challenge you to pray specific and persistent prayers. But, but can I say this? If that's all you do this year, dream big dreams, pray specific prayers, probably not a lot's going to happen. Because there's a point in time where you've got to take a risk. Where you've got to step out in faith on what you believe to be true. Do you guys remember this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cool. I like his hat. <laughs> How of you know that sometimes the bridge doesn't occur or the bridge doesn't appear? Okay so you take a step. Peter had to take a step, get out of the boat before he experienced a miracle. Where do you need to take a step? Where do you need to take a risk today? For some of us, you need to risk your future by just going all in with God this year. I'm glad you're here today. Some of you, this is a, a new resolution for you was, I'm going to go to church this weekend. We're going we're to take care of our spiritual life. And I say, yay God to that. What a great move. I want to challenge you to take it a step further and just say to God in our response time in just a minute, I'm all in God. I'm all in. Wherever it takes, I'm following you. As best I can, I'm going to trust you this year. Some of you need to risk your reputation by taking the first steps of a new adventure that God's leading you in. I don't know what it is, but He's leading you. And you need to go for it. Some of you need to risk intimacy by telling the truth in a relationship. You're in a relationship that you care about very much, but the truth is not there. And you're afraid, and you're afraid that maybe it'll crumble, and you know, maybe it will. But maybe it won't. And maybe there'll be intimacy as you risk the truth. Some of you need to risk embarrassment by asking someone for help. Sometimes that's the hardest thing for us to do, isn't it? My marriage needs help. I need help in my business. I need help spiritually in this area. See, I, I want to challenge you to go for it. You say, well, I'm not sure about the timing. Last verse on your outline sheet. It's a great one. Ecclesiastes 11.4. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Anybody have a testimony on that? And I think that if you go for it, you'll find that God doesn't overpromise, but He does overdeliver. Let's bow for closing prayer. God, I thank You for our time that we've spent together today in the study of Your Word. Thank you for your character, that you're a God who does immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. God, I pray that you would help us to grasp that. To get it beyond just our head and into our heart. God, I pray that in the next few minutes that you would just challenge us to our core. And that you would begin the work on miracles in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.